Hi there. Thanks again for popping in and joining me on one of my phone calls. Nice of you to eavesdrop on me. Um, today I'm calling Michelle Mathura. She is our resident uh, registered dietitian. She's the director of our nutrition division and uh, she's got a great personality, lots of fun stories, um, very engaging and uh, kind of is, it brings an element of real and fun to uh, the topic of your diet. So uh, let's give Michelle a call and see what she's up to today. Hi. Hey, Michelle. It's uh, John Herzog, your buddy from uh, DMNA. How are you, John? <laughs> I'm doing really surprisingly well, actually. It's been a beautiful two or three uh, days weather-wise here, and um, a lot of the stuff that I had planted is coming out nicely, and the squirrels haven't eaten my tomatoes yet. So. All things considered, I don't have too much to complain about personally. Of course, I'm a little, uh, you know, concerned and interested in our in the things going on in our world, our nation, our community. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. And I, um, I, I, I agree with what you just said because I think about what I've been focusing on this week, and it's um, birthday weekend at our house, so I've been doing a lot of baking. And cooking special things, and my daughter and I, she just loves to cook and bake. And when I, when I see her standing up there, you know, like whisking those eggs or cracking them ever so carefully, I think, ooh, do we have a future chef in our hands? Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I, I would dare say, and this would might be an interesting question for me to ask some of the chefs that I call. Um, you know, where did you first get exposed to your interest in cooking? And it's got to be from mom, grandma, dad grandpa yep. aunt, whoever it was the person in their in their life that cooked because I, I know that's the case for me I can remember you know specifically so that's a good question I'm going to jot that down well thanks Michelle uh, that's I, a good call then <laughs> it, well and you know I, I just have to tell you when I'm when I'm working with Lily it's working with her see I get into my work mode but when I'm when I'm baking with her when we're cooking it's so funny because I'll have these like flashes of remembering like what my mom said or how my dad did something and I'll tell her well grandpa Hoppy did it this way or grandma Ellen did it this way and and it's it's fun because I was thinking about that the other day of all the opportunities I've had in my life um it kind of brought me to you know where I am now as a dietitian but one who's passionate about food and always has been but how like I because I'm always thinking like well where's the next step in my you know dietitian career and I keep thinking about like kids and food and family and food and, and how much we love to cook and bake. And, you know, we always say like we can make like the best meal at home. <clears throat> and we, we like to eat out, but, you know, now we prefer more to be home. And we always typically have been. But it's really just learning it as you're growing up. And, and it was my mom and my dad and even my brother. Last night we were um, on a FaceTime call we were both chopping vegetables for dinner. And I said, how neat is this? We should take a picture. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm old enough to, uh, when, when I was in, in high school, um, you know, they still had home ec classes. Yeah. And me too. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed home ec cause I'm like, you know, I'm making a pie then I can, go bring it home and eat this whole pie you know I'm right <laughs> it's a lot more fun than writing some five-page report you know so yeah I really enjoyed uh enjoyed cooking too and you're touching on something that I um and, and folks that I've been speaking with lately all mm -hmm. kind of share the thing we've 
during the this time of um, you know COVID and what have you and other other um, issues that our our nation is facing now. You know, we do want to reach to comfort because it's it's kind of stressful and it's you know scary and we're unsure and like you were saying, you know, you want to think about your child's future in a good way and and want to make sure that you know things are we're we're moving past some of this discourse. So do you see that there's a, uh, not only an emotional, but um, obviously there's a physical attachment with food. I mean, uh, clearly nutrition and food is healing, but, mm-hmm. but what, what are some of your thoughts on how, how people can maybe use their diet to sort of manage some of their stress and their anxiety during these times? Right. Well, um, you're right. There, there definitely is. Um, most people have an emotional connection to food, but I, if you think about, you know, anytime we get together, whether it's to meet for a cup of coffee, for my, it's a coffee date, right? There's food, right? Well, beverage, which is, you know, in the world of food, um, maybe a pastry involved. I know in North Dakota, where I live, um, it's very normal if you're, especially if you're from here, you walk in, um, what can I get you to eat? <laughs> it doesn't matter the time of day. It's just part of being social yeah. and being inviting. And, and um, I know that um, anytime, you know, birthdays, funerals, um, weddings, we always have food available. So there's a, a tie to that. And I, you know, if a person enjoys cooking or eating, and even if they don't, just the types of food they're eating, Typically, just like music or smells, we go back to a time. If we enjoyed that or if we didn't enjoy that, our brain kind of takes us back to relate that food um, to a time in our life. Um, and, and for me, you know, I, I love everything about it, cooking it, eating it, selling it. And I used to say that when I, before, I, well, when I was in college, when I decided to become a dietitian and do dietetics, that's why I said I, I loved everything about food and how it helps people, but the, the emotional piece can be a negative too, just because, you know, people are stress eaters or they're not. Either people, when they're stressed, they eat a lot or they just don't eat, which is, is not good for your body either way. So, so it's kind of understanding like how you are. Um, and I have a friend who just started a, a Facebook page about this um, and, and she's hitting some really good points because we talk about hunger. She talks a lot about hunger scales and she's a dietitian too. And, and I think about that now, like the mindfulness um, of eating. And I've thought about it before. I haven't really practiced it, I will say. But when you stop back, take a step back and think about, well, why am I picking up, you know, this piece of food or this piece of chocolate or why am I reaching for the bag of chips or am I really hungry? So you have to think first if you're hungry or not. And then if you are hungry, at what level are you hungry? Because, you know, thirst and hunger mimic each other. And so sometimes people, you know, they might be thirsty and they don't realize it. And and they feel like they're hungry, but they haven't drank enough water. Um, And I think about that related to working from home. There are so many people still working at home. And this might be the way it is. You know, a lot of hospitals, for example, are so big, it's hard to social distance. Um, so they're keeping a lot of people at home well if you're working at home and it's new to you eating at home is a little new too I know when my husband was eating at home and he got to work at home for a month um he's like I'm eating way healthier well we were you know providing meals and snacks and really picking good healthy choices compared to when he was you know eating at work or skipping meals or just grabbing whatever was around and so people have the opportunity when they're home you know to dive into their culinary adventure a little bit and maybe try a, a meal or two or write down a, you know, a meal plan so that you're not missing meals. But when you're working at home, I find that 
people, and I remember patients when I would see them, when I worked in medical nutrition therapy years ago in my career, they would say, well, I just forget to eat. You know, they start the coffee pot in the morning and it's just kind of coffee through the morning and then might get a little hungry and eat a little something, but then coffee through the afternoon or, or they're just so busy they don't, you know, take the time to eat or yeah. they might eat once or twice a day. So you're missing out on good nutrition there. But it's just understanding, I guess, the why behind your, why you're, why you're picking the foods you are and, and when and why you're eating and not missing meals because food is truly here to nourish us. And, and my goal for everyone, and especially for my girls and thinking about, you know, raising them and what we're doing now, I want them to have a good relationship with food. And I've been thinking about a lot about that lately because we do like to bake and I learned yeah. you, cannot, you cannot make dinner and cookies at the same time because what are we going to want to eat for dinner? And you know, I there's, the hard there, way. there's a couple of things that you, that you said. One that I will, uh, would like to respond to is, you know, you, you don't have time to eat or you, you think, feel you don't have time to eat, wake up, put the coffee on and go as um, all my life in the kitchen was that entirely. You know, mm -hmm. I would, I was a pastry chef for a number of years and would get there in the morning early, you know, be the first one to put the coffee on. And then, you know, you just start your, your prep sheet and then that rolls right into lunch service and then, mm -hmm. you know, prep for dinner. And then I've been around food all day long and I would not eat anything. And I would go home, have a frozen burrito or, you know, hit a drive through on the way. And I have all this wonderful food, fresh produce, all this thing, but, but it's just your, habit right so so yeah, right. yeah to be more thoughtful with that um and, and then um gosh i forgot what else that you were talking about right there at the end now it'll, it'll come back oh about that. how raising my kids have a good relationship with food oh yeah that's right positive right thing. yeah like there's to be positive i i really have um i really have a problem with finicky children eating i, mm -hmm. I you know that it's i know it's not their fault but but it's uh and i know it's difficult Thankfully, my kids, I have two, and they were, neither of them were, I mean, they pretty much would eat anything, but it's how you present it, and right. it's how you introduce yep. it, and it, and, yep. and it's, it, and they, like a lot of things, just kind of mimic your habits, right? So, if you're eating oh. that, and that's what the snack you grabbed, then they might yep. also, but, uh, but don't get me wrong, I mean, oh, on that note, what are, what are, like, three things we should never eat? What would be on your, some things on oh. your list? Oh boy. Oh gosh. That's a tough one. Cause I'm so open to like, you know, the food adventure. I mean, I, I definitely um, try to always recommend stay away from inflammatory foods, which is processed sugars and white flowers um, because they cause inflammation. But that doesn't mean like, you know, um, you can't have them once in a while. It's just the daily stuff, you know? So if you're thinking on a daily basis, I'm only eating like white flour and I'm eating a bunch of extra added sugars. Yeah. And I would say, stay away from that. But it, like, I, like I said, it's baking weekend at our house. We got two birthdays and we're making cake. Um, and so, it, but we don't have it every day. So really trying to eat an anti-inflammatory um, meal plan. Um, thinking about the food you're eating, really a foundation of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lean meats and good fish, you know, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, my, my passion is um, for food is really focusing on brain health um, and the foods so I guess I'm flipping it around the foods we should eat instead of the foods we shouldn't. <laughs> well, let me 
are, are there any kind of like Pop-Tarts or Hostess cakes in your house? Oh, I grew up eating Pop-Tarts. <laughs> yeah, I don't eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> what was your favorite? What was your favorite flavor of Pop-Tarts? Um, chocolate and brown sugar cinnamon. <laughs> oh, dude, the brown sugar cinnamon is my favorite by far. And I can eat them no, cold or so toasted. Healthy. I know. Oh, I know. Me too. And but they're <laughs> like, I remember looking at the sugar content and I, and that's what, you know, anything with added sugar, um, yeah. you know, above six grams of added sugar. So let's see, women aren't supposed to have more than, oh, it's in teaspoons. So six teaspoons, which is like about 54 grams of added sugar a day. That seems high. No, six, 30, 30. And then men weren't supposed to have more than like nine teaspoons of sugar, added sugar a day. So that's not, when I think about that, I think about just, you know, when you look on the nutrition label, it says included added sugars. So if it you don't want to go higher, let's say for women, more than 30 grams of added sugar a day and men 45. That's a re recommendation. Um, American Heart Association, I want to say. But anyway, yeah. when I read that, I thought, ooh, it made me start looking at added sugars. So I would say stay away from added sugars. <clears throat> Fruit sugar is good sugar. Um, yeah, pop tarts are the healthiest. Don't want to pick on them. <laughs> but, um, well, but also, no, when, uh, like soda. Just let's go. Oh, yeah, so I would say soda is probably yeah. That's the yeah. top of us. But but I mean you know I'm I like Sprite. I'm a Sprite guy. I like that like ginger ale. Oh. Somehow somehow I feel that ginger ale is more of a, an adult drink, an adult soda. So I'll drink that. But uh, but I also love root beer. I mean I, I'm down with all of it. You know, and water is boring. But it, it, you're you're right. Once you start looking at labels, it's not that hard. But do you find um, like when you know we talked about it you agree I know uh, food is so personal it's really hard to um, you know when, when you're working with a patient to explain to them you know during the time they're in the hospital here's mm -hmm. what we want you to eat and it's completely different than what they are used to eating and so do you find it, it how do you you know recommend people that dietitians speak with their patients um, you know regarding some diet change how do, what are some of the um, processes and, and things that you do to make that conversation have more of a chance of sticking with them? Well, it's understanding, um, I guess, their relationship with food. So you got to like delve into the history a little bit. Um, so I guess figuring out whatever is going on with that patient currently. So we work in, in our nutrition division, we work with malnutrition mainly. So thinking most recently in my career, and when you're looking at that, um, when the patient's in the hospital, they came in typically with malnutrition. And so you have to figure out what's going on at home. And in that case, we're, we're just wanting to get some good food in them. And so it could be they just weren't able to cook for themselves, go grocery shopping, they didn't have help at home, they just weren't eating due to an array of reasons, they didn't have an appetite, and, but we have to figure out why, the why. So we do a lot of like investigative stuff and you know the education piece is mainly to the um, person that's with them, so it's family, friends, caregivers, to provide education. And we obviously educate the patient too, but you got to educate more than the patient. You got to get their support system because there's so much going on at that time and during the hospital stay, and so many services coming in. But helping them understand what the what the food 
they're eating, and especially like I think about the patients that um, are in hospitals that have an awesome room service program because they eat so much better. We know this, yeah, <laughs> other studies, but we know we see it. Yeah, definitely. The way that the when the dietitians in there now, um, and it's it's different, you know, like um, like when I say now, like today, is different um, in terms of like who the dietitians get to actually see right now, but but in a normal you know, situation, the dietitians going in and doing a hands-on physical assessment. And when we're doing that um, to assess their nutrition status, doing a hands-on assessment and their weight, um, we're assessing their muscle and mass. The patient like opens up and they're like, oh, like, um, so why, why am I losing, you know, weight in my face? Like, why do my shoulders look like this? Or why are my legs getting so skinny? Because nobody really talks about that and other, typically in other, um, uh, or any other parts of the interdisciplinary team, they're not like talking about the weight that they might say you lost weight, but they're not speaking to like the temp temporal area that's wasting or the fact that the patient can really see their collarbones or their shoulders are squared off. And the dietitian speaks to that. So the patient's a little more open. Mm -hmm. And so that, it, it, so you have to like get that whole person approach because if you just come in and say, okay, Mr. Smith, this is what you need to eat um, and not really understand the background of what's going on with the patient. It goes in one ear and out the other. And I think the majority of dietitians, you know, would do that, but it takes some time too. Um, because if you really want to see change, you got to speak to a person on a level which they understand and come from a part where they care about their health like some dietitians i know will ask them you know on a level of one to ten one being the least ten being the greatest you know where where's the importance of food for you do you just eat to eat or do you live to eat or eat to live you know like yeah where is the value of that you know there are people that i know that just it's just get food in front of the family or in front of themselves just to get it in them there it's not about the the whole um, enjoyment of cooking or the newness of a cookbook or on Pinterest, a new recipe to try or, or new fruits or vegetables. It, it's not like this enjoyable thing. It's more like we just, we're busy, we're rushed, we got to get food in front of us. And so, you know, when you're looking at patients in the hospital, you can do a lot of good education while you're there, but it's that follow-up that's so important um, after they get discharged and working with them and giving them good resources and so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, it does. What I was wondering is, do you ever work with um, psychologists then? I, you know, when you're speaking with somebody, then is there any kind of way to change the way they view food? And it well, does seem like it, they could fall into a in, in psychological issue that they have with food. Right. Well, and it depends on... Um, it really depends on like what their diagnosis is and, and from a you know the physician referral standpoint and a dietitian can definitely recommend that um, if it's like you know on a verge of an eating disorder or um, some other type of diagnosis that would like inhibit them eating. Mm -hmm. um, you know I've I've I remember in school and this was many a couple of decades ago when they said now dietitians, you won't work with any eating disorder patients until you have at least five years of experience. And I just remember them saying that. Well, when I worked, my first job was in public health and I was it in the county I worked. And we were a big tourist area county. So during the season, you know, we had a good 800,000 people going through. Um, but our county was probably, I don't even know how many people, but anyway. Um, 
I, I had eating disorder patients within the first two years and I just networked out and resourced with other dietitians that had more experience with me and I worked with them, but they always were seeing like a, a counselor or a therapist. Um, but nowadays I see, you know, dietitians um, have specialties and expertise in different areas. Um, through the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, we can get certificates and training and like um, integrative and functional medicine and I mean, there's like different health coaching certificates people can get. Some dietitians are like I was sharing with you, my friend um, who was starting her new Facebook page. She's really into intuitive eating and mindfulness, um, and she's worked a lot on that. And so I, if it's something where, I mean, all every patient I remember seeing, like in the world of outpatient, when I worked in outpatient, and you're sitting with them one-on-one, -on -one, is it really about the food? It's really about the why behind why you're eating the food you're eating or why you're not eating the food. There's always this emotional or habitual piece that plays into why we choose the foods we do or don't choose them or skip meals or it, it's a whole person approach. And I, I really feel like dietetics in the counseling, I guess, in the practice um, is kind of getting there more you see more topics and um educational platforms and and training for dietitians related to that back compared to like when i went to school that was yeah. Well, yeah. we don't really look at that as much as you know these are the calories fat and protein you need in the fluid um, but it's way more um it, that's important obviously but i i look at it as it, it's just the you can tell somebody all day long how many calories they need and but it's that's not going to help them develop healthy lifestyle forever and that's what we want we want a healthy lifestyle forever because diets don't work saying i'm going to lose weight um doesn't really work what works is transformation what works is speaking to the why behind your eating and and really identifying what you're missing out on you know the fruits and vegetables are the biggest thing like right now right so morning and how many fruits and vegetables have you had this morning so you, on that yeah. um, <laughs> i know that you've been doing some uh recent work or research or talks yeah. with uh, regarding plant-based and that's mm -hmm. come up also on a few of the other calls that I've had with some folks, particularly with chefs. And I know that prior to us, um, you know, kind of going on lockdown, that that was uh, a, I think, had moved from a trend to something in the mainstream now. And mm -hmm. uh, do you still feel like that that is the should be the the focus if you really want to change your habits and 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 try to introduce more plant based stuff in your diet? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is, um, let's see, this is the fourth week that I've been trying to do that myself. And I, and I feel like I eat pretty healthy, but I, I see and when I, when I look at the media, social media, um, just talking with people, looking at how things are advertised, um, looking at nutrition as a whole. So thinking from the view we get with our malnutrition folks, when we get, we're looking at patient, people because I do a, a couple of different things. So like some nutrition coaching I'm doing with others, it's all, that's what people are wanting um, to see options when they're eating out or, or when they're um, looking at availability. Summer is way better, especially like a sharing in North Dakota. We have a plethora of fruits and vegetables compared to like winter and the quality. 
Mm -hmm. um, but if you really want to look at from a health standpoint, what's one of the healthiest ways to eat every single year? The Mediterranean Food Guide Pyramid wins when it comes to prevention and and um, and overall um, healthy eating. And that's a plant-based whole foods um, really focus on eating. And so when you look at it in terms of health, um, incorporating more fruits and vegetables, just that fiber alone, because you know, our immune systems are housed in our gut. And if we don't have a healthy gut, then you're just more susceptible to um, getting zapped energy and um, getting more susceptible to getting sick. Um, when people are stressed, that affects their immune system, their, their gut health. And so by eating healthy, you feel better, you really are what you eat. And so I, I feel like, um, you know, when I've been doing this, like I said, this is week four. Granted, I've had a couple of days where I don't probably get in as many vegetables that I should, but I can tell I don't have as many like sweet cravings, and this is my own opinion. But when I've been like really pushing the greens and um, we made a salsa last night with radishes in it. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but that's what the recipe said, but it tasted so good. And I like stewed red cabbage the other night and that was delicious. The things I wouldn't typically buy at the store. Yeah. I was just trying new things and, and it's just like, I'm feeling a ton better and I was eating pretty good, you know? And if I'm eating okay, then what's the rest of the world as a dietitian? <laughs> and I think I'm doing pretty good, but I'm really trying to focus more. Um, so really planning your meal around the, the fruit or the vegetable is important. And I think they're going to see just an increase in demand for that because people, they, they want to be healthy, but it's changing those habits. So I think when we have more, I see more healthy options, you know, like in restaurants and whatnot and certain chains, um, but you got to have it available for people because they still are going to want convenience. And that's why I think a lot of these meal delivery companies, we use one, you know, they ship you the. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I use it is because, like I was sharing with my brother last night, by um, four in the afternoon, I, I'm not, my brain is so fried, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm like, I can't think about what even to make. So it's handy to have that, you know, for three nights a week. Um, I try to knock out lunch and, and dinner, you know, and cook it all at once because I'm tired. I'm taking care of my girls and trying to work a little bit. And and it's, here's some of the day in the kitchen, really, a lot of the day in the kitchen. Um, so. Well, let me, uh, let me just ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. It's always nice to catch up with you. Yes, you too, John. Yeah. Um, does it really bother you when people misspell the word dietitian? It does. <laughs> <laughs> I give them some grace, but yes, there is a correct, correct way to spell that. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I was guilty of it for a while, but I, I, the, the dietitians in my world corrected me also uh, very, very kindly. Oh, we are first. fast to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, uh, go cook something with vegetables and make sure you eat your fruit today. And, uh, but still keep up that box of pop tarts back there. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, again, good talking to you, Michelle. I will you be too, in though. touch. And, uh, I still want to hear about the call that you had with, um, you know, the, our, our AHF committee. I want to hear how that went. So I'll, I'll give you a buzz, uh, sometime like probably next week. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, thanks. Okay, Talk to you thanks. soon. Uh -huh. Bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Good, good, always good talking to Michelle. Uh, today we learned that plant-based is a little bit of work, but well worth it. Uh, it's important to know 
for you dietitians out there, it's important to know the history of a patient's diet as you begin to uh, help diagnose and understand their malnutrition. And we also learned that Pop-Tarts are good, but bad. So uh, thanks for joining me on this call and tune in again. Check my podcast out, the DMNA podcast, eavesdropping on John Herzog. Thanks so much.